You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You're listening to Socks in the Basement. My name's Chris. That's Dave. Next week, Dave returns to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. We would have done it this week, but both of us decided to take a vacation. And so Dave is vacationing at his pool, and I am being a bum at my parents' lake cottage. I don't own it. I'm not that rich. I am actually I am actually in my swimming pool right now. The water is crystal clear and 80, 83 degrees. 83. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good times. That's an old score reference right there, but anyway, go ahead. Remember, you can call us anytime that you want to and leave a message. Jump in on the conversation, 708-459-8406. You leave a message 24-7. Don't worry if you drunk dial us, butt dial us, or any other way of dialing us. I don't want to think about it. Don't tell me. 708-459-8406. Leave a message anytime. You can be part of the show. Dave, Scott Merkin going to be joining us in just moments here on this broadcast. Before we get to Scott, though, nice. let's talk about let's talk about this schedule that came out. The 60-game schedule is out. Okay. All right. It's going to take place over a little over nine weeks, 66 days. I've actually just put up a poll in my fantasy baseball league. Like, how do we want to run our season? And, uh, you know, because we're only going to have nine weeks. So I came up with a couple different options for everybody to figure out how we're going to play our head-to-head fantasy baseball season. But looking at the White Sox schedule, there's one thing that jumps out at me immediately. First off, the fact that we're not getting an even amount of games against the five National League Central teams because of this need to have us play the Cubs six games. And they want the Cubs series to matter so much that the season will end at the rate the final three games where you might be looking at a possibility of making the postseason against not a divisional opponent, but the Chicago Cubs. It's so stupid. I, I may have misread it. I thought they were opening the season against the Cubs. It turns out they're closing it against the Cubs. No, no, they open at home against the Twins. So they're opening at home against okay. the Minnesota Twins. Okay. Opening weekend will be on the south side. But why the White Sox are not playing a divisional opponent when they expect to be a contender for a postseason appearance, it, it boggles my mind. It's just a ratings grab, and it's just to try to get as many eyes on the product as possible in 66 days. No, you said it. That is a, that is it is a ratings grab. It's a cash grab. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. Um, look, man. You know, maybe maybe I'm in the minority here, but I I have long since grown out of this. You know, crosstown Cubs Sox rivalry. It doesn't matter to me. The only time it matters to me is if the Cubs and White Sox meet in the World Series. I do not care in all honesty now that i you know look at this and i see that they're closing against the cups rather than opening it makes it even it makes it even stupider to me because you're right <laughs> those last three games could the first three games if you're going to open against the cubs okay fine whatever but if you're in a pennant race you want to be playing divisional rivals yes you can you know give me the twins it could be worse the schedule could be worse we could have to play six games against a very good cubs team you know, I know that the, the south side reaction is always, it's the Cubs, they suck, we're going to take all six games. All right, meathead, oh, they're, boy. they're a good team. 
They're, they're a team that contends each and every year and has been doing so. And yeah, they may not be your World Series pick, but they're definitely a playoff team. That's a good team that you're going to end up having to play now for six games in your schedule. That's an 88-win team, probably easy. Other teams aren't going to face them as many times in our division. The Twins won't see them as many times. The Indians won't see them as many times. The good news is this. What the uneven schedule gives you is if you're going to take of the 20 games against National League Central teams and put six of them against the Cubs, that means... Two of your teams in the National League Central that you will play, you will play four times, and the other two you will only play three. So they had to take a game away from two series that we would have had with National League Central opponents to give them to those Cubs series games. So what happens here, those teams are, we get one less game against the Cardinals and one less game against the Reds. We get four against the Brewers and four against the Pirates. This is why this is interesting, because when I saw that, I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I remember seeing something in the MLB standings predictions across all these different publications. And I found one that I I definitely love to refer to at this moment. Baseball America. Baseball America put out 2020 predictions before the season would have started. The worst team in the NL Central was going to be the Pirates. And the fourth place team was going to be the Brewers. Mm. So we're going to play more games against those two teams. We're going to play against their pick to win the Central, the Cardinals. And they're picked to contend in the Central, coming in third right behind the Cubs in the Reds. When we There's ran our Reds. right, and when we ran our simulated season, I looked over at that. Okay, how did the how did the game simulate all that out? Well, the Brewers and the Pirates were awful teams, and the Reds, Cardinals, and Cubs all competed for the top, and the Reds won in the division, with the Cubs coming in as a wild card and the Cardinals just missing out. But if you had to split that division in two, we ended up with the two teams that are considered to be not as big a contender as the other three in exchange for the fact we're going to play these extra games against the Cubs. So it does even it out a little bit just by the fact we're going to get more against the Brewers and Pirates and less against the Reds and Cardinals. So that that's at least a fix there. Right, because it could have gone the other way. You could have had those six games against the Cubs and then, oh, by the way, here's... Uh, you know, here are the games against the Brewer, uh, excuse me. Here are the games against the Cardinals and the Reds for you for your troubles. Now, the other interesting thing is the only three game series that we play against the Cardinals is going to be in Chicago, and this is this is great because the first game is going to be the Field of Dreams game. They are going to play the game at Dyersville, Iowa, at the site of the Field of Dreams field where they have created in the corn, a baseball diamond that is to the dimensions of the original Comiskey Park that was around from 1910 till 1990. So they're going to play in that game on Thursday the 13th of August in Dyersville, Iowa. That was going to be the night they would have played the game against the Yankees. They get a day off on Friday, and then they play two day games on Saturday, Sunday at the rate. It's actually a really nice schedule for them to be able to go and do that game, get that series out of the way, and not have to go to St. Louis. St. Louis, a team that has just, they have high hopes for this year, as they do every year, and you're going to get to have them at home, and you're going to get to play that neutral site. Yeah, and I mean, look, good teams can win anywhere. Do you think that we even get any advantage? Do you think there's any advantage to a team? Because I keep going back back and forth on this. Like, one, you don't have the advantage of the crowd. Even if they have 20% capacity, it's not going to be loud. It's not going to be intimidating noise. But on the other hand, a team at home is going to have a much better setup because 
that's where they're working out all the time. And it's their home where they feel more comfortable during COVID-19. So a team could show up in a ballpark and sit there and go, I don't feel as comfortable here in that ballpark. It could affect their play. So you could have a lot of different factors. It may play into results or it may mean nothing where you're playing because there's no fans in the stands. The fan thing, the fan thing doesn't, obviously you take the fans out of the equation. Um, Teams, yes, teams are familiar more with their own ballpark uh, physically, you know, the, uh, the geographics of the outfield, uh, the way the infield plays, things like that. I mean, they can, that can give a team a slight advantage. We saw it with the Twins and, and the Metrodome for how long. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's that. Um, the other thing, I mean, obviously you get the last at bat in the, in the ninth inning. There could definitely be an advantage if you have – your home field advantage and you're the second team up with your strategy and things like that. So yeah, I guess it does matter a little bit. It's not completely gone just because the fans aren't there. There's, it still changes your strategy to be at home. Scott Merkin joining us right now on Socks in the Basement. Scott's been on before. He's the go-to guy. Uh, he's got his finger right there in the center of the pulse of the White Sox. He works for MLB.com and has been covering the White Sox for what seems like a century. Well, that's a good way to start. So you're saying I'm, I'm, over, I'm older than 100. My dad's not even 100, for God's sake. I'm just saying, you know, listen, time has, time has slowed down during this entire last couple yes, of months yes. here. And so everything feels like it's been a long long time. I mean, the fact that MLB was able to unveil the season schedule on the MLB network and probably got massive ratings for people just to find out the schedule of a 60 game season over 66 days. That's got to tell you how starved people are for baseball right now. No question. How excited were you when you found out there was not only going to be baseball, but you were going to get to start covering it again and being around the ballpark. First of all, I want to clear something up. This is my 18th year covering the team. And I, I was a prodigy. I started when I was 12. So I'm only 30, and that's the story I'm sticking to. That's awesome. Now, the 18th, the 18th, the 18th year is true. The rest is not. Um, <laughs> you know, I was excited. It's interesting you say that because one of the most prevalent questions I get, aside from certain questions about players that we really don't have answers to right now, uh, is, you know, will there be more coverage of what's going on in the workouts? I even ran it past the Sox if they were, you know, the first inter-squad game whatever that is, you know, and it's not even really a game as it was reinforced to me, which I know, you know, I've seen enough of those in spring training. It's going to be seven innings Thursday and, you know, they're going to control the outs. They're going to control the pitch count. So they could very easily, you know, have like a one, one out inning if the pitcher throws like 40 pitches or 30 pitches or something like that. But people want baseball stuff. People want, you know, they want, uh, I know they've seen a lot of our videos and pictures back from February and March. So those might be a little redundant at this point. But they want to see live action. They want to see these guys play. This is the most excited Sox fans have been probably since the first six weeks of 2016. You know, so, I mean, they want to, And I was excited to have it back. You know, I'm still a little trepidatious. You know, this virus is so insidious. And you, you just don't know from day to day or hour to hour what the heck is going on. So, you know, when the 60 games are complete at the end, I'll tip my hat and say, you know, Great job. They got through onto the playoffs. But, you know, as of right now, I'm just kind of going day by day. But I'm excited. I'm excited to have – it's weird. You know, it's weird. You don't have, The only access you have to players is either by phone or by, you know, Zoom call. And it's just strange to, you know, not even see – like you, you see Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams even from a distance. So it's, it's strange new world, and hopefully it won't last past this season and we can go back to – the whole world can go back to some normalcy, you know, starting in – 
I don't know, soon. How about next week? That'd be great, too. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about how starved people are for baseball. Uh, we experienced an, an unusual phenomenon here because the moment that people lost baseball in sports, when the lockdown happened in March, I talked to so many different podcasters. I talked to people in terrestrial radio that I know. I talked to people in print journalism. And the clicks are down and the listenership is down because there's no sports to actually cover. And we sat down and talked with one of the blogs, Socks on 35th, and said, let's simulate a season. And I've been doing this 90-minute broadcast where I watch MLB The Show and I call the game like a radio broadcaster. And we were through the roof. Like the guy over at Socks on 35th is like, people are so starved for baseball, they're following a fake season on your PlayStation 4. Like that's how starved people were for baseball. And and I want to ask you a quick question. One of the things we learned in the sim, and I don't know what you can learn from a PlayStation game, but the, the White Sox in it, their big key to winning their division, and that's what I want to ask you about because I'm just curious what your insight is looking at this team. The, the big key was they beat the Twins like crazy. And I said it multiple times whenever they would play the Twins during the season. It felt like if the White Sox bats do what they should do, the Sox have far more pitching than Minnesota and can beat them more than the Twins can beat the White Sox. It it's all depends on whether or not a guy like Robert comes along, Jimenez takes the next step, Makata is not going to fall backwards, but he's going to continue what he's doing. You get production from Anderson. But if these bats do what they could do, this team could shock people in 60 games. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I just think it's so difficult to assess anything right now. I'll get to that in a second, but I, I think it's just, boy, it's just tough. You just don't know any of these teams. You know I mean? Are the Detroit Tigers going to look at this and say, you know, I mean, the Detroit Tigers, by the way, have assembled quite a nice young group of players too, as of the Royals, you know, still a few years off, but what if they, you know, get a little motivation and decide, Hey, if we go 20 and 10 out of the gates, we got a chance to get in the postseason. you know, if, if we don't go, Oh, and 20 or whatever in the next 20 games, but, I think the key thing, if the Sox are going to want to contend this year, and it's always the case, you know, they, they crushed it in 2005 when they won the World Series. But this so even this year, even more so because 40 of the 60 games are against the AL Central. You got to win against the AL Central. You know, you really, I mean, you, know, you can't go 0-20 in the other 20 games, obviously. But you have to, you know, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to probably go 25-15 and 15 against the AL Central because it's two games. You know, it really is a two-game switch when you when you play those teams. So, yeah, beating the Twins would be great if they ended up going 7-3. and three, But if they go 3-7 and seven against the Royals and 4-6 and six against the Tigers, the Twins don't matter as much, right? That is so they got to take care of the AL Central. They have a great lineup. I mean, there's no question that lineup 1-9, through nine, you know, I think Robert and um, Jimenez and when Moncada's there and Abreu are going to be helped by playing in, uh, you know, starting in 90-degree temperatures pretty much. You know, I mean, Abreu has made no bones about it that he hates April here which is interesting because he loves Chicago and has been so loyal to this team, yet he never really wanted to go to another area that, you know, well, didn't after this year, didn't really want to even explore another area where the, you know, the climate was a little warmer. I mean, April is brutal. You know, I mean, there are some April days, there is cold probably as November days here. So, you know, that'll be gone. It'll be gone for everyone is the thing, but it will certainly be gone for the Sox guys. You don't like him. And yeah, I, I think, you know, their lineup should be good. I think the pitching depth is going to be key. You know, I, I'm not sure what situation is in Michael Kopech right now, aside from what general manager Rick Hahn has told us. I think Carlos Rodon is a huge X factor. You know, he see, people seem to be saying he's thrown the ball well. He feels good. Remember, he only has one more year of team control before he goes to free agency or they sign him to a, you know, a longer-term deal. But if they don't sign him, he's got this year and 2021, and that's it. So, you, you know, you got to expect that he's looking to 
to, to make his mark and come back. I mean, he's he's got great stuff. He's got phenomenal stuff. Just hasn't been healthy. So, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting. It, 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 I thought Dallas Keiko had a great line the other day where he views this 60-game season as kind of like playoff baseball, you know, where starters are probably going to go five or six innings and it's going to be a bullpen game. So it's going to be very interesting, the opinions of guys like Evan Marshall and Aaron Bummer and Colum A. And I guess Herrera didn't appear in as many games last year because he was coming back from injury and he wasn't very effective. But, you know, how many games can these guys go? I've said this a number of times, but there's a big jump from working out to get ready for spring training, then pitching in games in spring training and getting almost regular season ready, and then going home and playing catch with your wife or your brother or your dad or your son in the backyard, and then coming back to the summer camp and then pitching in a 60-game season if we get that far. So, you know, there's a big adjustment, and it's it's going to be about who can adjust the quickest. And, you know, if you start off, let's say the, the Sox open against the Twins. Let's say they start off and lose all three of those games. That wouldn't be ideal. But how quick do they bounce back? If 0-3 becomes 2-12, and you're pretty much done. You know, if 0-3 becomes 7-6, and well, then you fought back. So, I mean, no one series is going to end it for you. But you got to avoid slumps, and you got to win with your win within your division. Let's talk about something that you touched on there at the, at the beginning, Jose Abreu and his incredible loyalty to this team. And one of the things that has stood out to me over the last week, just as somebody on the outside looking in, you look at the mess that was the negotiations between MLB and the MLBPA, if you could even call them negotiations, and that could be an entire show, Scott. But then you look at the whole idea of this testing process, and you see the mess in certain organizations where they were relying on MLB to take care of testing and make sure everything was right, where they couldn't even hold practices on Monday because things weren't done right. And you see leaks coming out at the Phillies organization. There were names leaked of who had the COVID-19. There, there were all these other things. Meanwhile, the White Sox have shown to be a real class organization. One of the arguments has always been, would players come to a team like the Chicago White Sox because you have these big name teams that have this reputation with players? I feel like the White Sox have really done their reputation proud. They, they actually look like a very classy organization. There's no leaks. There's You guys have no information as to who actually tested positive for COVID-19. And if you do, you're doing a great job of holding it back as a group of media people. And the team was able to not have any hiccups. They made sure everything was running smoothly. You got Jose Abreu saying, I'm out here and I trust my ownership and I trust my team and I believe in this thing. And that's why I'm here because I'm comfortable, which is very different from what you hear from other players and other organizations. Speak a little bit about this. You've been around this team for a long time covering them. Are you surprised by this? Because this, to me, is what I always heard the White Sox would be, is this classy organization would take care of its players, and they seem to love what's going on right now in the first week of summer camp, where you see a mess in other aspects and other uh, organizations of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't know if I would paint a brush, a broad brush across all of baseball like that. I think, you know, there are some teams that have had, and I don't think it's really their fault that have had some issues, you know, with the, the testing and that kind of thing, but... I think the Sox are, have a good organization. It's a very loyal organization, which, you know, Jose Abreu has pointed out, and Jerry Reinsdorf is a very loyal owner. I, I think the biggest thing for teams is they want to know players are treated fairly there, or for, you know, players, players are treated fairly there, and that, you know, they're going to win and they want to get paid. And that was one of the things I think you saw with the big moves in the offseason for the Sox is guys got paid and the team was on, on the way to winning. Now, I will say this in terms of – um one sect of it, I think they have a great Cuban connection on that team. You know, I, I think, you know, you hear about um, Suspedes' younger brother, and why am I blanking on the other young man's name from Cuba, the one who can pitch and hit, and I can't, for some reason, I'm just blanking on his name right now. 
but you hear they both have some interest in the Sox, whatever that, you know, holds. And I think it's because there's, you know, a great Cuban connection there for, you know, going back to Minnie Minoso for that matter. Yeah. I, mean, I did a, where are they now sir with Alexi Ramirez in the off season. And he talked about how, you know, when he was looking at teams, he knew Jose Contreras was there and that made a difference to him. It made him feel at home and it made him feel like he wanted to play there. And I think that's affected a lot of the other players too, that have come here. So it, it's a very interesting thing. You know, the connection is, is real in that area. Now, I, I don't know. I don't want to go out in front and say that they're any better than any other organization. I think there's a lot of organizations. I think any team that wins develops kind of a good feel. But I, you know, I do think the people running the team are, are good people. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf is one of the more charitable, just a really underrated owner for what he's done for the entire city. I think, you know, and he, you know, they won the world series in 05. I have nothing but good things to say about Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn and right on down. So I think it's, it, they certainly, now that their rebuild is moving on to contention, certainly are an attractive spot for people to go to if that's, if this, if this fits the needs of what they have. I see all the video you guys, when you're taking pictures, all the members of the pressure, it looks like you're all up in the upper deck and, and you're basically podcasters now. You, you, you kind of have to watch the thing from afar at times you do. I'm sure you get, you still get plenty of access, but, but it's, it's gotta be different for you in terms of how you cover the team. And, and it's gotta feel a little weird. Like you're kind of relearning a few things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different for, it'll be different for this year. You know, there's no, you know, they have three groups and the, the players and the coaches and the front office and certain media relations members are in group A there's other media relations, community relations group, people in group B and then the media is group C and, B and C can interact, A and B can interact, but A and C will not interact this year, at least as of now. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, we come in, we get our temperature taken. We, uh, you know, get our bags checked as usual. We go straight up to the press box. You have to wear your mask the whole time in the press box, which is a little interesting because of the fact that it is open air. But I guess you are around other people, so you have to, you know, you wear your mask during that whole time. And that's, you know, that's the rule, so we do it. And, you know, we're allowed to go down to one. You can go between, like, you can't go into the outfield concourse here, but you can go between, like, the two foul poles. And, you know, you can get down, you know, pretty close in the stadium, but that's it. And the, the interviews are all done via Zoom and via phone right now. So, you know, you can get some one-on-ones if you put in the request, but it's it's a very strange time we're in going from, you know, back at SoxFest or back in spring training when you can just, you know, you spend 30 minutes in the clubhouse every morning and just walk up to players and get interviews. So very, very interesting switch. That's for sure. If you were betting right now, would you bet that at some point the white Sox would end up with 20% or 10% capacity inside of their stadium for home games? Do you think that's a possibility? I, the only reason it hits my brain is that I got a text message from a ticket broker over there who I deal with who said, don't count it out yet. There's still a chance we're trying to work it out. Do you believe there's a chance there could be fans in the stands, at least in some regard, even if it's just a few of them and it's a 10 or 20% thing before this season is over? I mean, not to be glib, but, you know, there's a chance I could win the lotto tomorrow too. You know I mean? So everything is, there's a chance in everything. I, I will say this just by looking at what it takes for us to get in there and what it takes for other people to get in there and the, the process that it goes through. I mean, I would think if you're doing what 20% fans and that's what like 8,000 people, right. Who come in eight, some, somewhere in that range. I mean, I would think everyone would have to have their temperature taken and go through the same process. And in terms of the social distancing, and I don't know what you would do for concessions. I, I would think if anything, it could be later, much later in the year. I don't know how much, much there's only what there's two and two months and change. Right. There's a week in July and August, so it can't be that much later. But I would think more like September, if anything, if things changed. As a, if you ask me today, I would say like 
90-10, you know, 90% no, 10% yes in terms of fans this year. Well, at least you're saying there's a chance. Okay, Scott, before I let you go. That, uh, that's the famous Jim Carrey line, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. From uh, Dumb and so, Dumber. So you're, so you're saying, saying there's I a got chance. a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, one year when Joe Colley, great guy, used to be on the Sox beat. We were in Kansas City, and it was like near the end of the season. It was like three weeks left, and the Sox were had one of those seasons where they're going to win like 86, but come up, you know, they're pretty well out of it in September, barring a miracle. So Joe went up to interview Canerco and he asked him something about, and Canerco has a great dead bent of the humor. And he asked him something about, you know, you guys are 10 back with, or eight back with 15 to play. Baseball perspective gives you like a 0.0005% chance to win it. And Canerco paused and he goes, so you're saying we got a chance in that case. <laughs> so, that was Canerco in a nutshell right there. Great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. I think every fan uh, looked at Paulie Canerco and was like, that That seems like the kind of guy you could sit down and have a beer with, and he would he would be a fun yes. storyteller, and you'd, you'd enjoy his company. Um, let, me, let me ask you, before we get out of here, there are seven starting pitchers, the way that I think most fans see it. If everybody's right. healthy, if Rodon and Kopech are healthy, who would be your pick, Scott? It's an interesting story because of the fact that, I mean, you pretty much assume that Giolito, Keuchel, Cease, and probably Lopez are locks in that rotation. So then you have Rodon, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery, Gio Gonzalez, who said he felt great today, said did a lot of physical therapy work on his shoulder during the uh, quarantine break and said it's 100% better than what it was in spring training. And I don't think it was that bad in spring training, but he meant even, you know, even that much further along. And then, you know, of course, you know, as I said, Rick Hahn mentioned about Michael Kopech, the first day of camp was not there and that he was handling a personal issue and that he was, there would be no time frame or timetable for his return and no updates until something was decided. So you kind of have him on, you know, kind of on the, the side for now until you know for sure what's going on. I mean, it, it's just hard to stay on Rodon right now because, you know, you've seen him play in this kind of, he'll be on the team. There's no question. But, and you've seen him pitch in this kind of situation, you know, the, summer camp or whatever you want to call it, but he hasn't been in a game situation since last year. So I think the start of the year, it'll probably be the five that were coming out of spring training, but here's the deal, you know, with the 60 games and with the depth they have, you can do things the Sox just haven't done before. You can go to an opener, especially if, you know, Kopech is back, use him for an inning or two, or you can combine starters, you know, Gonzalez and Rodon, both pitching four or five innings in a game, you know, and that maybe even lessens the bullpen a little bit. So you really can do some, you know, interesting things in this sprint of a season to try and get down there and, and make the playoffs. So it, it'll be, it, it, there's, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of good options, which is a nice change for the White Sox. And that's not even figuring in Dunning and Lambert, who I think would be more along the lines of, you know, if they were to break, either one were to break camp with the team as a long reliever or kind of a swing guy. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, you, you have some, they made it a priority in the off season to, you know, lengthen this rotation. And now they've, been helped even more by these guys recovering from injury. I'm excited to see what they can do. And I think like every baseball fan, we're all crossing our fingers and hoping nothing derails this. And we get to actually watch these guys in action. I want to see Gio Gonzalez throw a pitch because it just feels like everything in the world stops him from throwing a pitch in a White Sox uniform in an actual regular season game. And I just want to see him do it just one time after this on the team, leaves the team, on the team, leaves the team, back on the team again thing. I just want to see Gio Gonzalez throw one pitch. That's when I'm going to feel like baseball's back and he isn't cursed to never throw for the Chicago White Sox. That's all I want, Scott. I mean, if we get that, I'll be happy. Yeah, I wrote about that today because, you know, we talked to him on the Zoom and he 
very eloquently joked about that. You know, I remember he was in 04, he was the 38th pick overall by the Sox. You know, he went through the minor league system, was then traded to the Phillies as the player to be named later in the Jim Tomey deal. Came back to the Sox in the Freddie Garcia deal and then left two years later in the Nick Swisher deal and ended up having quite a career for himself. You know, it was a great pitcher for Oakland. I believe won 20 games one year with the Nationals. And, you know, he said he really did. Depression did set in a little bit. I think he was saying more humorous depression. That If there's such a thing, by the way. That, you know, <laughs> he thought during that quarantine, maybe I'm never going to get to wear a white tax. Maybe it's not meant to be. And then at the end, he said, just want to throw one pitch. Just one pitch out there. So <laughs> you and him are on the same mindset. We'll see if he, if he gets it. The way things are going, he should get that right now. That's awesome. Scott Merkin, as I mentioned earlier, only 18 years, uh, a long ways away from 100 years, a century of covering the White Sox. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down a bet right now. I probably won't get to 100, I'm just going to say. <laughs> All right. Well, Scott, I appreciate you jumping on Sox in the basement and uh, taking some time to talk with us. And I look forward to more conversations down the line and White Sox baseball here in less than a month. Thanks a lot, my friend. Okay. Anytime. Take care. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com. First of all, I want to just say, I want to just say, I love the fact that your PS4 thinks that the White Sox are going to win the division this year. Anyway, carry on, please. You know what? I also manage the team. Let's give credit where credit's due here, Dave. It wasn't Renteria uh, managing the team. It was you know, me. See, you have to just, you got to do that. All right, anyway, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs>